Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 17th of August 2011. For newcomers, look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com and you'll find hundreds and hundreds of audios in the archive section where you can hopefully piece together the real system that runs the world, not the, the media frontmen and the, the tomato-throwing bunch. That, that's what politicians are for, to, to catch the tomatoes. But the real guys that, that manage the world, the, the foundations, the organizations that never intended democracy across the world, although they use the term very often as they bomb other countries into democracy, but it's really a system, a system planned a long time ago, and I tried to give you the history of it and some of the big players in it. And once you catch on, you can just take off by yourself rather quickly by going into the proper sites, the Council on Foreign Relations, all the foundations, the United Nations, watch them all networking together and read their long, boring reports. But they'll tell you what the future is going to be because they make it happen. You see, they make the future happen, the one that they plan. And that's what you're going through right now with the chaos as you bring in a new world order and a global society. Not a nice, happy um, plantation, but uh, really a rather horrid thing as you depopulate the planet and uh, gradually sterilize everyone on it too through various means, inoculations, spraying, chemtrails, that type of stuff, which is going on, and the food that you're, you're forced to eat now, the GM rubbish. And uh, they know exactly how to manage the planet and bring it down. We're the peasants at the bottom, and believe you me, class distinction is very well and strong, never been stronger in fact, and since the days of Darwin, they justified their actions as they formed their clubs to deal with the future. So I, I try and go into that and show you what's really going on, and it explains the chaos today. And it's, a, it's chaotic like a fox, of course, because it knows exactly where it's heading, and uh, we're all forced to go along with it. And remember too, you're the audience that bring me to you, so you can help support me by buying the books and discs at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com and from the U.S. to Canada, you can use a personal check or international postal money order, some just in cash, and you can also use PayPal. You'll find a donation button on the com site and how to do it. You just follow it up with an email with name, address, and order, and I get it out to you. Across the world, Western Union, MoneyGram, and again, PayPal. And straight donations, honestly, are really, really welcome. I don't bring on the guests that generally appears, get experts, and then terrify you for an hour, and then do their pitch to save your life by flogging something to you. Uh, so it's up to you to keep me going. Uh, the ads on this show that you hear pay directly by advertisers to Republic Broadcasting Network to air this program for their time, staff, equipment, and hopefully to help them with their bills, because I'm sure they've got enough in this day and age at things so expensive. So you can help me out with mine by buying the books, etc., but I try and chronicle the events. I mean, I've watched them for years. I've been watching them since I was young because I wasn't interested, I wasn't happy with the stories that were being told in school about history. And just like Orwell's 84, I saw history going down in the tubes in my own lifetime and being rewritten quite a few times, in fact, in different areas, different events. 
And it's the same today as they rewrite history. Today they're very quick actually rewriting it. They give you the official stance rather quickly on, on 9-11, for instance, things like that. Here's the official authorized version. That will be it written in stone forever. Amen. And that's how they, they pretty well do it. And yet at the same time, 60, 70 years after an event, they'll, they'll release stuff from the Official Secrets Act that's now up for review by the public. And you find out that the past was absolutely bogus and the big things that they brought off uh, and, and fooled the people about them were constantly lied to. And that's how you manage people. You don't tell them the truth. You treat them like children. And that's, that's quite acceptable at the top of every country in what's called the democratic world. Democracy is a, a front, as I say. It was set up a long time ago when people were pushing for more rights. And the elite found a way to take over and champion those rights and actually bring you in a full circle back into slavery. And that's what it really truly is. Uh, it's a front, very elastic band. That's why I call it democracy. It's an elastic band. And it has uh, it's constantly changing um, definitions. Try to get a straight definition of democracy. You won't get it. hundred years ago, they said democracy would be up to those more powerful groups. And that also included what became known as non-governmental organizations. So the foundations, the bankers uh, running the NGOs, these armies of NGOs run basically uh, the policies of the world and the politicians are in on it too. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back. This is Cutting Through the Matrix we never get the, the real story on anything, I, I believe, at the bottom level. Everything's management. Everything goes through PR agencies from government, from all departments of government. Even your police will go through PR agencies or they have their own specially uh, designed PR group within the police force itself. And then you often see that term, that word, that term PR in front of someone's name uh, as, as a spokesperson. And that's public relations, which used to be called propaganda. It still is propaganda, you understand. In other words, something must be made palatable to the public, so it's, it's reworded or even misled, in fact, to mislead you, and so that you'll come up with the impressions the government wants you to have. Yet you're never told the truth. Never told the truth. When you have, especially across, say, the British Commonwealth countries, as it's now called, that, that was an invention of the Royal Institute of International Affairs. Uh, before that was the British Dominions, and then it became Commonwealth and then this nice family of the Commonwealth nations, as the Queen keeps saying. That's where all the wealth of the commoners are robbed and given to the poor, to the rich, I should say. So anyway, we never get the truth on anything. And once in a blue moon, you'll get the occasional little exclamation from a politician that's just left office who says something true, and then it's suddenly gone, it's forgotten about, so there's no hullabaloo about it. But, but when the Vice Prime Minister or Assistant Prime Minister to Tony Blair came out and said that he had been ordered through his whole term to open the floodgates to immigration, not just immigration from any other country, but from the ones with the most diverse nations or, or, or cultures, so they'd be in opposition to the British cultures, in order to destroy the British culture forever. And that's been successful. It didn't start with Blair either, because even after World War II uh, and before World War II, they said that they wanted the end of the nation state. And to do so, you'd have to eradicate all memory of what used to be to be whatever 
culture you happen to have. And it's been awfully successful across the way. That's why you must import trouble into your own country and then point at the trouble and go through a song and dance. And no one ever asks, well, who brought all these people in into a slum area and gave them no work, you know? Why did they do that too? Because, well, why they do it is because they can always get them to riot when they want to get them to riot. That's why they keep them there. These are all strategies, you understand. And if they kept the cultures as it used to be with fairly closed immigration, uh, then you could even get martial law put across the people if they're all the same type, basically, backgrounds, cultures, and history. So, yeah, that's basically why the Laborist Party especially, but the same thing happened with Thatcher when she was in. She opened the floodgates too. That's why they keep them around. And it's all to, it's for internationalism. And this international world you're going into is not to be a happy family at all. It's to be really a, a chaotic system as we go through it with the, the experts managing every facet of our lives. In order to manage every facet of your life, they must make everything dysfunctional, including the family unit, which is all the Marxian agenda. And believe you me, there's plenty of right-wingers, I mean real right-wingers, have studied Marx really in depth, and they agree with a lot of what he had to say. It fits their international theories very, very well. And we're into this new feudal-type system where corporations are, not they used to call it fascism, but corporations are working completely uh, daily with governments. In fact, government farms out a lot of its, uh, its work to these private corporations. So tell me who's got the real power. And remember, too, that private corporations uh, are not voted in by you, so they've no, they've no, there's no comeback on, on them whatsoever. This, we're a private corporation. We can do what we want. And that's what government will tell you, too. We don't deal with that. This corporation deals with that part of society. So that's what it's done, of course, and what we're getting now with after the riots in England is the aftermath, and they're all posturing in parliaments as they go through their, their routines and shaking fingers, etc., and, and they're the most corrupt people of all in par- parliament. They're more corrupt openly now than they used to be. They used to be very good in Britain at hiding the corruption. Uh, because all the media uh, would send the right people in to mix with the politicians, and they all played the game, as they say. They played the game. Oh, I won't report this, and I won't report that. And but now it's, it's more it's more open because there's a lot of things that they do that you just can't hide anymore. But there's an article here. It says here, UK needs 45 homes a day built for immigrants, for migrants. 45. That's what they would need. They've worked it out. And it says taxpayers face a £1 billion annually for the next 25 years to provide enough council houses for cash-strapped Britain's soaring immigrant population. Now, the advertising, as I say, for 30-odd years in Britain is the best country to come to if you want welfare and free health care, etc. So naturally, it was very appealing. It was, it was almost like a poster they put out every so often uh, for, for, for holidaymakers. That's what it was like, vacation in Britain, just go and live there. And this happened every few months. They'd float the same thing. And uh, they actually called it uh, shopping for countries and different headlines like that because Britain made it known that they did bring them all in. And as I say, that to destroy the nation-state. This is to happen to every country across the world eventually, destroy the nation-state. And then you've got a whole world which is dysfunctional, which means you've got a tough world government which will run it properly like the Fabians say. The Fabians, with their famous glass window, had the founders um, bashing the world into its proper shape on a blacksmith's anvil and using hammers. 
And this is the Fabian agenda that we're living through today. And it's got all groups on it. There's no right wing or left wing. There's only one uh, elite group at the top. And all the lower politicians that, that will do anything, bend over in an indirection to make sure they try and get up there too. They're craving to get up the ladder. So anyway, UK would need 45 homes a day for the migrants and it would cost up £1 billion per year to house them in a country where there's even less work. Even today's paper is telling you that there's less and less work all the time. And it says, the warning comes in a report from campaign group Migration Watch as the UK population is predicted to hit 70 million by 2030, driven largely by immigration. Well, that's what they wanted. And Maggie Thatcher said it too. Well, it's not enough for the, the British folk, the, the, the old stock, having children because we're doing good and, and only having their 1.1 child per person idea. And there's not enough to pay off the national debt, which constantly it was never intended to fix the problem, is to destroy the nation state. Maggie Thatcher was totally aware of that too. They're all in it, you know, all these actors. And he's a good one here, though, a good article. It says, immigration officer in the UK comes home to find family of Romanian gypsies squatting in her house, wearing her clothes and drinking her wine after telling neighbours that she died. That's not bad one, eh? An immigration officer returned home to find gypsies had moved in, ransacked the place and dressed in her clothes. Julia High was even offered a glass of her own wine by the Romanian squatters. They claimed they had rented the property from her son because she had died and produced a set of fake documents. They're very quick on the mark, aren't they? Uh, Miss High, 55, has no son. And it says, um, The family of five adults and three children had ripped up carpets, emptied the fridge, and dumped her belongings in bin bags in the garden of her £270,000 a, a home. It's not bad being an immigration or Anything to do with the government's not bad. Eh? £270,000 uh, for your house, eh? They left water damage to the kitchen and bathroom while a computer and digital cameras were, were missing. Only her beds and wardrobes were left intact. And once evicted, they squatted in another home two streets away. Uh, so they've had this, this problem in Britain for a while as they, they, you know, this wonderful amalgamation of Europe. They can come straight through and go to where the cash is. And, uh, and that's what they're doing. Naturally, that's what they're doing, right? But uh, these are the sort of little comical ones you get in a sense. And uh, they know what they're doing at the top. They know exactly what they're doing at the top. We're, we're living truly in a fool's paradise, or hell, depends on, on where you live. And it's going to get worse, because that's intention. Years ago, the Rand Corporation did studies on coming riots and, and future world disturbances. They knew darn well they were going to have crashes and depressions, because they'd make it happen, you see. Uh, because they want a unified currency, starting off with regional currencies, things like that. So you're going to always cause the problem to to come out with a solution for it. So they, they run the world in this way. And they talked about, eventually, when they started off with this Generation Y and then Generation X, etc., they were talking about the downgrading of work to fill the, the, the people coming up, the youngsters. And, and so once you get to X, you're, you're written off, basically. That's what it means, you're written off. And uh, and, they get, and they wonder why people are rioting. I can even back when Thatcher's day was was on the go. She said the same thing. 
Because, you see, they were deindustrializing Britain at the time without telling the British people. You'd hear it on the news every night. You couldn't figure that out. You'd something wrong with you. But they'd keep telling you another factory's just gone offshore, another factory's closed down, this one after another. And she says a generation is growing up right now that will never see work in their lifetime. So get used to it. That, that was the, that was the upper class rubbish that came out of her mouth. And, uh, but it's real. And so naturally down the road you get rioting too as you're down to X, Y, and Z, as they say. So uh, here we are, uh, Z's been written off too, totally, and they riot once in a while and they come out with martial law for them basically and point fingers at them for not looking hard enough for work. Utter farce, but all contrived. They're not stupid at the top. You don't hire think tanks, thousands of them, to, to work on each problem. You know exactly what's going to happen. And um, it says here, Guantanamo Bay as well, it's supposed to be closed down with uh, Obama, that's awfully good at saying things, but doing much of the opposite. At least a dozen people have been arrested in Washington for disrupting congressional hearings. They were yelling at torture at Guantanamo Bay. The U.S. prison for terror suspects is still operating despite Barack Obama's election promise to close it. Since when do politicians lie, eh? <laughs> and you'll vote them in again the next time, won't you, eh? You go for somebody else and say, I promise, and then you go and vote. People at legs down. <laughs> never learn. You just never learn, do you? But uh, it's amazing. But after I come back from this break, I'll talk about uh, how Israel's come out with a, a new idea of how to make you rather mellow, and it's a pacemaker for your brain. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back. This is Cutting Through the Matrix. Remember that Soma, Soma was Huxley's idea in his book Brave New World of a, a kind of drug which would make everybody happy, regardless of how you were living or living in a buyer like amongst the, or amongst the pigs or whatever, it didn't matter, you'd feel quite happy. And that's always been again the goal of those at the top. They can either make you awfully stupid by destroying brain cells and, and giving you terrible entertainment to watch. That'll make you stupid at all times. But also, they, they, they thought about the brain. The brain is an important part, obviously, because it's technically you, as they say. And, um, if I've had people like Persinger and other professors working for, oh, years and years and years on finding ways to control your brain. And, uh, of course, they always come out with some new gimmick and gadgets, just like DARPA did with the chip that would help the paraplegic email, maybe one out of five times it was successful, he said. We haven't heard a really follow-up from that, so we don't know. But, I mean, that was a military complex telling this one to help paraplegics. Same thing, well, I'd like to help the paraplegics and poor people. And Well, here's from Israel, and it says, While you're still thinking hard about just how much your unconscious brain is more in control of you than you are, chewing this too. Scientists at Israel's Tel Aviv University are crafting a tiny implantable chip that delivers precise electrical impulses to different parts of the brain. This may be, they believe, the cure for not just depression. Everybody's depressed when you're out of work and stuff like that, and we're going down the tubes, right? But Parkinson's disease, isn't that wonderful? They just care about Parkinson's disease and the elderly people, both of which respond well to conventional electrical Therapies and may even brain damage from strokes or injuries. So always put the may, the may as well, all the things that they have no idea about, just tack it on. So it sounds good. Which is a potential breakthrough and amazing, uh, but from where I sit, the part chew on is a sort of almost literal re- rewiring or reconfiguring of consciousness. 
like the brain functions as a tangled mass of electrical impulses, it's just pathways of electricity. So, what else can we do? How precise can we get? Or am I just being freaked and paranoid about the idea of people running around with behavior-modifying chips in their skull? Because that's what it's about, you see. The, the heart uh, kind of pacemaker is purely mechanical. The Rena chip, as it's being called, deals with consciousness. That thing we know really nothing about. We don't even really understand all that well how electroconvulsive therapy works in the traditional seizure-inducing form. It all feels like when you're a child and you take a radio apart or something and it's not working anymore, but just after jamming some stuff around in it, a warble comes out. You have no reason why, but you take it as a discovery and just keep poking at it and making that warble again, imagining that you're fixing something. Then again, you could argue that that describes a lot lot of medicine. And that's true, too. A lot of medicine is totally bogus in how they try to explain it. They don't know how to explain it. So here's a chip, is to say, that's really going to make you happy when you shouldn't perhaps be happy. Maybe reasons not to be happy. And it's only by reasoning out why you're not happy can you make change at all. But if you can't make change and you don't know you're unhappy, then you could live in squalor and, and filth and be, you know, walked over by the elite. And they certainly are all for anything that will make that kind of thing work. And, of course, it's a chip in the brain, I'm sure, too. They can interface that with signals from the, your cell phone towers and lots of other nice little things. So a good little article. Keep your eye on this one. See where it's going. And also who's funding it. You'll probably, you'll definitely find that the military complex is in, involved in it too. And years ago I remember seeing a little article on how some fast food restaurants were dissuading youngsters from hanging around by using a very high pitched, uh, signal sound, which, uh, made it uncomfortable to stand around. They didn't know why it was so high pitched, but it made them awfully uncomfortable and they'd walk off so that they wouldn't congregate outside the stores. But they're using it now in sports stadiums. And it says, high-pitched sound is used to silence Dortmund fans. This is in Germany. And it says, an employee of German uh, Bundesliga Club of Hoffenheim has an, admitted to using a device which emits a high-pitched sound to stop, uh, uh, to stop basically, um, Borussia Dortmund fans singing offensive songs during their match at the Rhein-Neckar Arena on Saturday. The purpose of the noise, according to the employee, was to stop Dortmund's travelling supporters from chanting insults at Hoffenheim's owner, Dietmar Hopp. And it says, The club, which gained promotion to Germany's top division in 2008, distanced themselves from the employee's actions and denied any knowledge that the device was being used. Sure, it must have cost thousands to implement it in the first place, so they'll know it's there. So they pinned it on an employee of Hoffenheim, who was admitted to using corresponding sound device, on Saturday during the match against Borussia, Dortmund read a statement on Hoffenheim's official website. He had longed for a remedy to the insults directed at the club owner, Dietmann Hopp. That's what that was the excuse they gave. So they used this on the, on the people, and it doesn't say much about the effects of it, but I guess they didn't enjoy the game too much regardless. And uh, you'd be surprised at how many times they've used sports arenas for testing things out on the general public, because it's a beautiful place to do it. And then observe the reactions with the cameras inside. You can get really close-ups to the faces, expressions, as you're doing various things to them. And uh, it's an ideal little laboratory right there. And <laughs> it's an article, too, about uh, 
historians and how historians keep altering things, etc., giving you false impressions in their classes. Historians say that Michael Gove risks running hist- uh, turning history lessons into propaganda classes, like it's never been that, eh? <laughs> the education minister, Michael Gove, wants school history lessons to portray Britain as a beacon of liberty. I wonder for whom? Who would that be for? And it says, Gove has said history in schools ought to celebrate. Everything's about celebration today, eh? There was one article that was on, on, on some gay thing, and it says we're supposed to celebrate their sexuality. I don't want to, I don't want to celebrate. Since when do you celebrate somebody who's just found out what their little appendage does? And they're so overwhelmed with it, they want to keep doing this forever, and even in the streets. I mean, really, do you want to celebrate? I mean, you should all be done in your, in your home quietly. Nobody asks questions, and nobody wants to know. But today, no, everybody's to celebrate these ridiculous things, isn't it? Anyway, we're supposed to celebrate the distinguished role of these islands in the history of the world and betray Britain as a beacon of liberty for others to emulate. <laughs> uh, this guy must, he must have either been in politics is going to run for it after he becomes tossed out of this school. But Tom Devine, professor of history at the University of Edinburgh, says, I am root and branch opposed to Gove's approach. It smells of wiggery, as you call it, old-fashioned term, wigs. A history of chauvinism. You cannot pick out aspects of the past that may be pleasing to people. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, we're back. This is Cutting Through the Matrix, talking about history and, and how they constantly change it anyway and politicize it and and add things and detract things and, and give you false versions. And this particular professor was speaking at a conference, historians, and it's quite interesting what was said. It says, it smells of wiggery as a history of chauvinism. You cannot pick out aspects of the past that may be pleasing to people. Devine was speaking before a debate on history, teaching at the, the Edinburgh International Book Festival, where he will be joined by Professor Linda Colley of Princeton University and R.W. Johnson, the Emeritus Fellow in Politics at Oxford. Devine said of the Aberdeen Ray's Gove, it says, I find it remarkable someone educated in the Scottish system can come up with this nonsense. I'd love to have been there. Speaking about Gove's contention earlier this year that the history syllabus doesn't mention a single historical figure except William Wilberforce and Olado Ekina, key figures in the British movement to abolish slavery, he accused, that was abroad that is, not at home, uh, he accused the Secretary of State creating straw men. The syllabus is not devoid of consent. History teaching has never been more exciting. Also speaking on Friday's debate, which is organized by the London Review of Books, is South Africa-based historian R.W. Johnson, who warned against the follies of a celebratory, making celebrations basically of a national syllabus. She says, I live in South Africa, a society where nationalism is running riot in history teaching, and the results are disastrous, he said. History teaching before 1994 uh, was there, he said, to bolster up Afrikaner nationalism, and black South Africans were merely the objects of history. Now under the ANC, that has completely reversed. The years 1652 to 1994 are simply called the oppression, and everything about that period is lost. So they threw out everything. You wouldn't know that South Africa fought in two world wars or sent troops to Korea and did other things other than whites oppressing blacks. 
When it comes to 20th century history, black people are portrayed as martyrs, heroes, victims, and the whites as simply bastards. It is such is just as much a distortion as it was Afrikaner history. He said, though, that teachings ought to be done through a frame of narrative history. If you don't have that, you're a bit lost. We need to be able to look at the way things work out over a very long period, what the French call the long durée. It says, Divine, who has advised the Scottish government on history teaching, agreed, saying that one of the most important things about the discipline is to convey a sense of change over time to do which uh, you must present events chronologically. But history is bunkum anyway, because it's always the winners that writes it. And even in the ANC now are writing their own history. And, and that's what it ends up being, a lot of nonsense. Uh, ultimately, the only thing you can be sure of is that there's, there's never any much truth in it. There's always a dominant party or elite group uh, dominating all the rest of them, and uh, the rest of them are still slaves in one form or another. It's, you don't have to be called a slave to be a slave. You can be called a worker with a very low wage, for instance, and uh, you're still a slave because you don't need a slave master to beat you and throw the occasional bit of rags to cover yourself up. You go out, you've left enough money to go out and buy your own, you see. And we're awfully good being poor, downtrodden slaves that they call workers. It's more efficient that way. He acknowledged that in Scotland there was a danger of the ruling Scottish Nationalist Party pushing Scottish history in a brave heart direction. So it says Linda Colley, Professor of History in Princeton, who also speaks in Friday's debate, said she welcomed Gove's interest in the teaching of history, but the best way to do it, she said, is to make history compulsory to 16, as it is in many European countries. And they're all, they're all giving them the European history now is in the EU, which is even more bogus than, than, than ever before. Constantly, constantly altering history. Uh, Divine condemned the quality of the debate over history teaching in England, in Scotland, there would have been incandescence in the academic community and also in civil society. It's been a poverty-stricken and parsimonious debate. Uh, and that's because they keep the people in poverty all the time and then give them fictitious history and tell them to be proud. But that's the nature of the world, isn't it? Nothing really changes its human nature. And the dominance will always give you your history regardless. And even they put you in prison now if you if you debate things like 9-11 or stuff like that. You know, they call you nutters and... Or, or possible terrorist. You're, you're a word, a word, a vocal terrorist, you know, for saying that there's an inside job. And in the U.S., of course, the land of the brave and all that stuff and the free and, uh, and more mythology, it says Democrat questions the TSA over Israeli style chat downs, chat downs, you see. Might as well go the whole Israel waste system now. I think so because they've got all their, all this stuff is, was, was in, introduced by Israel via politicians with dual citizenship. And, uh, and they also have, uh, the stuff made in Israel, lot these x-ray machines, etc. And, uh, and now you've got Israeli style chat downs to see if you're a mental or a mind terrorist, perhaps, you see. And it says, uh, Representative Benny Thompson on Monday called for the Transportation Security Administration to halt the implementation of a new behavioral screening program that's modeled after Israel's airport security screening methods. He's a high-ranking member of the House Committee on Homeland Security. The 60-day Behaviour Detection Officer pilot program began Monday at Boston Logan International Airport. In the new assessor screenings, the TSA officers will ask passengers a few personal questions. I bet it's very personal. And look for signs that they may be hiding something. Can you believe that? Here you are going to get groped in a whole bit with these people and go through, get x-rayed uh, for maybe the hundredth time in a, in a few months if you're a businessman. 
and uh, you're a bit nervous, and now they want to question you as well. You know, and and you're supposed to be just quite normal. What's normal? What's normal in that situation? Maybe maybe you've got that Israeli chip in your brain to you know pacify you. I don't know. Anyway, it says TSA officers will ask passengers a few personal questions that were signs maybe hiding something. Suspicious passengers will be sent to a secondary screening or referred to a law enforcement officer. So maybe they'll throw you off to Guantanamo Bay then and get the truth out of you. You know. In a letter uh, to TSA administrator John Pistol and the PDF is on here. The link. Thomas uh, Thompson uh, questioned why the agency had decided to implement a scientifically unproven technique. Noting there's no scientific validation, limited or comprehensive, of the efficacy of the assessor model of screening to detect persons who pose a security risk to aviation. Thompson is sceptical that the results of the pilot project can determine how the agency should proceed with the chat downs. Although the behavioural detection officers may not have interviewed a sufficient number of passengers to yield a statistically significant result during the 60-day period. Well, well if you're never finding terrorists... Huh? And you only do a certain amount of people in a 60-day period. What do they hope to find out? TCA representatives indicate during the briefing that the agency plans on using the results of the pilot program to determine whether the assessor's program should be expanded. That's nationwide, in other words. As Congress and the executive branch continue to negotiate historic reductions in federal spending, it's curious that the TSA continues to deploy personnel and divert dwindling budget resources to this unproven, costly, and potentially ineffective security screening protocol, he added. Well, maybe they should give you pentothal shots as well, get you in a chair, you know, and have a light shining on you and give you an injection. Now, where are you really going? Where are you really going? See? The Behaviour Detection Officer Pilot Project is part of a nearly $1 billion national program called the Screening Passengers by Observation Technique, which is called SPOT program. Isn't that nice? S-P-O-T. <laughs> so there's where, there's where your cash goes. And isn't that great business with the, with the military-industrial complex that now have to go into the civilian arenas because they're running out of wars? They've only got a couple left to go, Syria and Libya. And, uh, the, the, and Iran, then they're pretty well finished, you know. Um, and it goes on to new enterprises zones around, announced around England. Awfully interesting this part. Governors announced locations for new enterprise zones in England to try to boost economic growth. What another joke. The ministers, who are politicians, said 30,000 new jobs would be created by 2015 uh, by giving cheaper business rates, super fast broadband, and lower levels of planning control. You understand they put most small businesses out, which is the agenda, by the way. We, in the future, we're only to have these massive corporate stores, these long chains of stores. This goes all the way back to even Karl Marx talking about certain things related to this. And, uh, and of course, wherever they go, these monopolies always put the small guys out. And then government helps that by making the small guy fill in paperwork half of his day, half of his working day. And that's no kidding. So they're going to give them a break on paperwork, I guess. Uh, or maybe they'll give a new migrant a job doing your, all your paperwork for you and, and let you actually sell things. It says, new zones were announced at sites including Cheshire, Exeter, Essex, uh, Cornwall, Gosport, Hereford and uh, Humber Estuary. They've been criticised by some who argue that they will not create jobs but displace them from other areas, which they've done before and actually that happened. (laughs) Plans for 21 nationwide zones were originally set out in March's budget. 
Bidstay Host, one of the zones, was submitted by 30 local groups made up of council and business leaders. And it's all part of communitarianism as well, I should add, because Agenda 21 has this communitarianism idea where the big boys will be the, few, the new feudal overlords over your entire little area there, little township, where you make beads and sell them to the Chinese. So things like that. And it's a mass convoy in Australia going on right now. It says, uh, because Australia is really getting hit with the Fabian socialism idea of social engineering. It says, uh, uh, for some it's climate change alarmism. For others, too much wasted taxpayers' money on boat people, school halls, or pink bats. And for others, it's still important, it's importation of Chinese apples, the temporary ban on the live cattle trade, or same-sex couple rearing children. But the common thread in what's emerging is a nationalist Tea Party-style revolt in the form of a convoy of no confidence to Canberra. And it's a burning conviction that polit- politicians of all persuasions have lost touch with the real-life needs of the common man and woman they're supposed to represent. And supposed to is, is, is accurate, because you understand there's a different agenda at work. You've got to understand that to start with. These politicians are hand-picked, they're groomed, and they all know this is a global society that they have to push with all of its repercussions and destruction of nations and cultures and everything else. And that's the reason. It's not just, I would have touched. This is their agenda. You understand? I hope you do. What began as truckies' protest against the carbon tax has grown into a mass alliance of those outside the urban elites who feel they've lost their voice. It's an amalgam of butchers, bakers, candlestick makers who are mad as hell and not going to take it anymore. The convoy whose drivers will start their engines this week from around the country and converge on Canberra next Monday was conceived by the National Road Freight Association. But, but it now looks like to, be, like to be joined by a wide range of supporters and vehicles ranging from big rigs to utes to camper vans and even motorcycles. They'll ride under the banner real people facing the forgotten issues with friendship and a lot of fun. So the first of 11 convoys, each with its own leaders and colours, will set off tomorrow from Port Headland in West Australia, led by truck owner driver Peter Whitecross. So, as I say, yeah, that's the reality. It's not that I were a touch. It's they've got a global agenda and they're part of a globalist system. They don't take their, their instructions from the people. Haven't done that for an awful long time, in fact. And <laughs> unethical scientific experiments which are going to extremes. You'll never really know what's always going on. It's way beyond even what I'm going to read here. But it's to do with twinnings, twins, etc. Separating twins. The experiment is splitting up twins after birth and then controlling every aspect of the environment. The premise is in the quest to tease out the interplay of nature and nurture. Researchers have one obvious resource, identical twins, whose genes are nearly 100% the same. Twins almost always grow up together in essentially the same environment. A few studies have been able to track those separated at a young age, usually by adoption, but it's impossible to control or analyze all the ways that their lives differ. If scientists could control the siblings' environment from the start, they could construct a rigorously designed study. It would be one of the least ethical imaginable, but it might be the only way, short of cloning humans for research, which they've already done, uh, that will ever solve some big questions about genetics and upbringing. Total socialist, again, Fabianism, it's, it's... Right from Bernard Shaw's idea, the Superman, and uh, and also the right of the elite to do these experiments. It's, all, it's over a hundred years old. 
It says that expecting mothers would need to be recruited ahead of time so that children's environments could differ from the moment of birth. After choosing the factors to investigate, researchers could construct test homes, ensuring that every aspect of the children's upbringing, from diet to climate, was controlled and measures, measured. Well, that's great. You can't ask the children, can you, or babies? But so they're going to do it anyway. So uh, It's all about us, actually. You know, all the rat testing and mice testing and stuff you've watched your whole life, it's all about us. It, that's what they show you on TV is the rats and the mice. Do you think they haven't done it all in humans? The Soviets did it all in humans. In the Soviet story, you even saw a whole bunch of them. I think it was that one. I've got a whole bunch here uh, because that was to be based on scientific society. They actually see all these prisoners with the tops of their heads sewn off, maybe 20 in a row. And all these guys go around prodding them all, the, the, the bare brain itself. It's all been done. But, of course, the stuff they'll put out from the, for the Soviets, even at that time, was, was rats and mice and all the rest of it. No, no, no. They do the humans. And don't think for a minute that, that there's not organizations at the top of your scientific community that's got immunity uh, for doing the same kind of stuff in your own countries. And that's the re- reality of it all. The Prime Minister of Britain de- de- defends jail terms given for Facebook posts, the ones who they claim were basically uh, helping to promote, promote some of these riots, even though the two guys they got didn't have any riots in their own place, their own town. One is 20 years old, one is 22, and they both received four-year jail terms for inciting disorder on Facebook. I'll put that up as well. And what I definitely want to get to, too, is to do with uh, uh, Nikola uh, Alexic, uh, who is, uh, has come out talking about some... Um, Really, in Czechoslovakia, um, what's happening to do with the GM foods coming in, doesn't want it there. It's Serbia, actually. He's in Serbia. Serbia's Nikola Alcinic uh, to President Tadic. He says, stop GMO, stop chemtrails, or I will call the people of Serbia to the streets. So here you get that they're getting people more important now. And it always takes another country where they're not so brainwashed as we are here and dumbed down with the rotten food we're on, which is making our IQ plummet. This is in this remarkable video from Serbia, English transcript below. Nikola Aleksic, director of ecological movement of Nova Sad, issues a stern warning to President Boris Tadic to stop importing food based upon GMO and stop the chemtrail spraying or he will call and personally lead the people of Serbia to the streets. Well, someone's got some gut somewhere. He concludes his speech by saying, you can be sure of this. I, Nikola uh, Alexic, will keep my word even at the cost of my own life. Alexic also implores the Serbian army to defend your people and the sky over Serbia and tells the people of Serbia that now is no time to be cowards. They need to stand up for their rights for themselves and their children. And he gives a transcript here. It says, um, as to the National Assembly and the government of Serbia, the recent events surrounding the intention for legalizing the growing genetically modified organisms, GMO, have shown that these GMO plants, uh, plans must be put under public supervision and control since they betray the national interests of the Serbian people. They must not play with the state and our lives, no matter who wants them. And isn't that the most basic thing we should all be saying? And that shows you we're all domesticated. Because when people go to take over your food supply and force this stuff on you, which they've done in the West. It's something nefarious is going on. And literally, you're, you're, their mercy is when you have to get their seeds every year because you can't, you can't save the seeds. No matter what it does to your body. Legalization of the growing GMO in Serbia would mean that, that we would have to open our borders to import such food and products. It's true, you become slaves to the guy who dishes out the seed. 
Imports of such hazardous foods would start the biggest genocide over the Serbian people. It's true, you cannot allow your food supply to be in the hands of international corporations, especially all these biologists who all worked for the military-industrial complex before the major food, making things like Asian orange and other things that would kill people. Do you ever think that's a bit odd? Do you? Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back, coming through the Matrix. Reading this article, it's a very important article, how other countries deal with being poisoned. You know, not like the Western countries that are already dumbed down with inoculations and, uh, well, what's on television and, you know, that's all they want to know. So here's someone who's a bit more wilder. He's not been so domesticated uh, in his Serbia, talking about calling the masses to the streets if need be. He says, he says, uh, see your sky, he says, Serbian citizens. You can see it for yourself. See the traces of poison that come from unmarked planes daily from the moment when our own government signed the so-called Partnership for Peace on December the 14th, 2006. Does that ring a bell to North Americans, Partnership for Peace? The sky over Serbia is completely under the network of poison trails, which felonious planes pour daily like we're insects and not people. And I said that years ago. It's like they're spraying raid on us here like bugs. Above us are implemented vivo experiments, as in concentration camps during World War II. Above us is open genocide. Our traitorous government allowed it. They've sold their own people in order to remain in a position where they were bought by criminals, a representative of foreign agencies. Do you have a right to be a coward? Can you be a coward when you or your children are constantly sprayed with poisons of which nobody in our government will tell you what toxins we are being bombarded with? Can you be a coward when you know that this traitorous team sold you and surrendered you to the mercy and disfavor of the most felonious organization in the world? Nikolai Aleksik, the director of the ecology movement of Novi Sad in Serbia, which is the only organization that is advocating and fighting for the protection of the health and life of the population, cannot and will not be silent. Publicly, I demand that the army of Serbia can constitutionally defend its people and its skies over Serbia. They should take down unmarked planes and the criminals who are carrying out genocide over our population. If the Serbian army back in 1981 had an excuse for betraying the people and the state explaining that it was a political group army, I asked them today with open heart, whose army are you now since you allow complete and public poisoning of your own people by spraying from the sky with unmarked planes of the most felonious organization in the world? Are you aware of the consequences of your betrayal? Do you think that your children will not breathe the sprayed poisons, that your children will be exempted from the genocide? And then he gives a, a speech to the soldiers and so on. But, I mean, that's the sort of uh, speech, the only, the only speech that they'll listen to at the top, only because they get a bit, a bit you know, nervous, uh, maybe not in the West because we're all pretty doped down and, and uh, domesticated with <laughs> sprays and injections and the food that this guy's talking about. So I'll put this link up tonight and you can have a good look at it yourself. But uh, you see, this, these people over there generally have grow their own food. They, they haven't had all the injections you've had, and they've not been uh, sprayed up until 2006. And they see it right away because, like a wild animal, being normal, you see things in your environment rather quickly, and you, you see what's odd. And you don't wait for the media to mention it, or you'll say, well, if the media doesn't mention it, it cannot be important. That's how you're taught to think in the West. But a natural person who's not domesticated will see that, and they still have some sort of chance over there. 
and uh, let's hope he, something gets done somewhere because nothing seems to be happening in the West to stop all this stuff as we get basically uh, microwaved to death as towers go up everywhere and uh, we also get smart meters put on us and we give, we're getting more injections than ever before. They're even, they're even talking about giving us annual boosters now just to make sure we're really kaputski and uh, I no doubt too we'll end up with little chips down the road from Israel which I'll make us quite happy under the circumstances. And after all, like Freud says, it's just about being happy, isn't it? It doesn't matter uh, what the problems are. You won't have the problems if you're just happy. And that's the way it's supposed to go. Science, eh? Science. The seance of science. Well, from Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>